to help support this podcast and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash universe box. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. You were almost killed. And you saved me. Again. I hope you know, Oswald. I would do anything for you. You can always count on me. Thank you. Just feel sorry for Stan the Gardener. He was picking up Mr. Gallivan for weeks. Anything for you, my little cobblepot. Welcome to Legends of Gotham, where we talk about Fox's hit series Gotham, set in the world of Batman. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And we are here a day late, a dollar short, short, ten minutes late, but we're here. Fifteen, whatever. Fifteen, uh, yeah, we we went to a concert uh, last night. Twenty-four hours and fifteen minutes late. Yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah, at least it wasn't twenty-five hours, right? Right. But, you know, it's been a couple days, but we are so excited to talk about this week's episode of Gotham. It, oh, yeah. it was fantastic. Fantasmic. As per usual. And as usual, well, not tonight because we're about 25 hours late. Uh, but normally, Tuesdays, 8.30 p.m. EST, you can join us at live.universebox.com. That'll be the same next week with all of our chatters. We have Cobblepot and uh, Kaza, uh, Kaza, Commotion, Kaza Commotion, Monica, Monica Joel, Joel from Portland. Portland. And probably some more people will hop in there now that we're live because people... Mom! They People wait until like we go wait. live. Yeah, uh, just so because sometimes you have to refresh, refresh the page and stuff, and they don't want to lose their their chat name. Uh, but Anne Marie, uh, enough dilly dallying, enough fiddle faddle. Oh, the fiddle faddle. Why don't we go ahead and hit up our riddling, rhyming episode summary, and then we'll get started talking about this week's episode of Gotham. Who betrays who at high society functions? Parties with booze expose mayoral malfunction. Is Bruce finally ready to claim? chasing he can't quite say with lips interlacing did harvey miss ed i'd assume not will barnes keep a secret to service the plot if butch is so loyal why mow down his crew turns out he won't do anything for you anything for you for you and marie what'd you think loved it you loved it loved it in the words of babs best party ever <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was ever. It was a fantastic party. I, I, I do need agree. the big bottle of champagne, though. <gasps> I have a champagne. Well, you can't get it, can't now. Get we're, it now. We're talking we're about Gotham right now. Jeez, <laughs> jeez, Anne Marie, put your alcohol problems away until at least after the show. Okay. Or save it for the spoiler party when we I imbibe with immensely. abandon. Yes. Okay, uh, but why don't we go ahead and get? So I, I liked it too. Spoilers. Ah. <laughs> We forgot to get that info. But I think the big headline in this week's episode was uh, really it, right by at the end of the episode. And uh, that is – it's possible that Nig Mobble possible. It's Nig Mobble possible? Nig Mobble possible. Uh, okay, Nig Mobble Pot, you know, has been the, the standard shipping name. For about for, two years. Yeah, for Ed Nigma. In Oswald Cobblepot, uh, you know, people who kind of want to see those two end up together in a romantic sense yes. ha- have given them this name. And I think last night they they made their biggest step forward to, to it actually happening. Interesting. I, in fact, the end of the episode was the most riveting part for me. Uh, fans have been wishing for the Ed Oswald bromance to blossom into an actual romance eventually. And it almost happens after Ed exposes Butch. Uh, not, in the, not in that way. Oh, oh, dirty, I wasn't even thinking dirty that. Dirty mind, I was not thinking that at all. Okay. But now I am. So. <laughs> okay, but, you know, Penguin has everything he's ever wanted, except, as he says in this episode, somebody to share it with. And by the end of the episode, he has Ed and seems pretty committed to their very equal partnership, even if he does find the riddles annoying sometimes. So he's found that someone to share it with. I, I I think uh, romance or no, I think that's kind of the point they come to at the end of the episode, that Penguin finally has somebody to enjoy the kingdom he's built. Interesting. <laughs> with. Interesting. Uh, you know, but so, you know, some people are saying it might be a romance. Some people are saying it's just a, a bromance, a friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think uh, the people who are like, no, it's a bromance, a friendship. Uh, they're taking a lot of evidence from the previous leanings of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Anne-Marie and myself have been assuming since last season uh, that Penguin wasn't really a romantic sexual being. We did the episode Asexual Penguin. Mm-hmm. Go back and refer to uh, that. Yeah, kind of talking about it. And, of course, Ed was quite enamored with Kristen Kringle. 
Uh, but I, I, I'm just saying, you know, who's to say they both couldn't swing in each other's directions, even for a time? Maybe, you know, by the time Batman shows up, maybe there is no more romance to be had <laughs> between those two people. Mm-hmm. But I could see it happening. Uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking about it a lot. And, you know, Ed's dual personality that he had before his self-actualization last season, you know, when he was talking to Mirror Ed and everything, you know, it shows he's a man divided. So I was thinking... Maybe he has some repressed homosexual feelings or leanings, and that might have caused the initial psychological split that uh, he had uh, that, you know, eventually grew into that psychotic stabby uh, kind of Ed. (laughs) Uh, So, so, you know, because, I mean, a lot of times, you know, especially teenagers and stuff, if if they are gay or or at least lean that way if they're bisexual or whatever, you you know, they – and they're not in a supportive environment for that sort of thing. A lot of times they can be a person divided. I, I know a lot of people I, I went to high school with and uh, right after high school who, who were kind of that person divided. Like, you know, I, I'd see them in various social situations when they were around their family, when they were, were around certain friends. I, you know, they were very much more closed off, different person than they were when they were around people who knew uh, they had these feelings, or at least strongly suspected and didn't care. Uh, so I could definitely see how that, that could have, uh, maybe repressing those feelings when he was a teenager in his early 20s or something, could it could have led to the split dual personality we saw last right. season. Right. And uh, then, you know, Penguin's never been shown to be in romantic love, but he exhibits familial love very deeply. Okay. Uh, perhaps, uh, sorry, let me get your mic here. <laughs> let me turn my mic on. Okay, uh, but yeah, yeah, but he, ex- he experienced that familial love to it with his mom and his dad for what little time he knew him. Right. Uh, very, very deeply. He feels it very strongly. So perhaps, you know, maybe that's what he feels for Ed right now, and maybe romantic feelings could spring out of that. Now, yeah, I, for one, am very pleased with this progression. It feels like a natural outgrowth of the path we've seen both characters take by themselves and together as a unit. I mean, that first scene when uh, they first met. when Oswald, the GCPD? Yeah. Uh, you could tell Ed, Ed, Ed was kind of crushing. <laughs> like, that's kind of mm. – you could kind of see – Well, he was fanboying. Inter- yeah. He was fanboying. But uh, you could definitely see that kind of interpretation too that maybe – I could see that, yeah. yes. Yeah, then maybe, you know, this penguin with the power and he can be out there and <laughs> this be This penguin himself. with the power. Uh, yeah, you know, you could definitely see maybe maybe a, at least a little bit of an attraction there, even if it wasn't romantic. But okay. it, I, I'm saying, you know, in retrospect, maybe it was. Hmm. Uh, but wait, what do you think about this whole deal, Anne-Marie, this uh, Nick Mobble Possible? Okay, so I don't mind Nick Mobble Possible, mm-hmm. but I don't trust it. I don't think – I actually don't mm-hmm. quite think it's going there because ed is a slimy slimy beast so who's pulling one over on who Mm -hmm. um i had a really hard time figuring out who exactly was on whose team in this episode yeah and and when because they were all jumping ship left and right except for Mm -hmm. zaz because zaz is supporting whoever (laughs) um but you know also who's telling the truth so I think that <clears throat> um, through all of it, Ed was the most honest when he talked about wanting to take over Gotham from Penguin, mm-hmm. which is sort of the opposite of Nick Mobblepot. Yeah. Um, I don't think he necessarily wanted to use Butch to get there, but if he had to, meh, so be it. <laughs> um, while I think he genuinely likes Penguin and you know maybe there is that friendship and all that, mm-hmm. I don't think he has any problem taking him out in a way that suits him to take over um, Gotham. Yeah. I, I don't th- – you know, I'm not opposed to it being a romantic bromance relationship, Turned friendship. Romance, yeah. Hey, we cool, fist pump <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. But I don't trust Ed for the air I breathe. Well, I mean, we, we've definitely seen him be very uh, manipulative this season. But at the same time, it's always been in service of Penguin. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like... I, I mean, he seemed a little cool towards Penguin when he was visiting him in Arkham and stuff. But right. I, 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 I'm of the opinion that Ed's very manipulative, but it's 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 not towards Penguin. It's you know to help build up their because they're they they form this very equal partnership. You know, I'll save your life. I'll expose the right. people that are around you that are dangerous to you, whatever means necessary, and make sure you come out looking great. I like I, I feel like it's a, an equal partnership, and any manipulation Ed's doing is sort of in service of that partnership. We shall see. Definitely. That's really where that is. It's like, 
you know, I'm okay with it, but uh, mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but sort of kind of along those lines with the I don't know who's on team what. <laughs> um, I love that Butch and Tabby are sort of back on the same team because yes. they make me happy. Definitely. They're they're a happy little <laughs> ship. Um, he got her to trust – no. He, yeah, he got her to trust him about give me the time with the Red Hoods. I'll take care of it. It's good. Mm-hmm. I got this. Um, but it even got to the point of them working together to take out Ed, formerly Penguin's goons, formerly Falcone's goons. I don't even know whose goons are goons anymore. Um, and that she hijacked an ambulance to save him. Uh, I mean, if that's not love, what is? Not that. Not, not, not committing you crimes. You don't think that crime showed love? Maybe, maybe. We'll see. And where does Babs fall in with all of that? Very true. Because Babs is all about Tabby. Okay, let's go over and check in in our chat room because they've been very uh, talkative. uh, They have. They they like this topic. Yeah, let's see here. We'll go back here. Um, Let's see. Uh, Monica says she loved the ending too. Was halfway between either either they're about to kiss or someone is pulling a dagger at any second. I was expecting a dagger. Definitely. Uh, a lot of people like Powell family are still mm-hmm. suspicious of Ed. Uh, Joel from Portland, uh, I wonder if Ed thought Ozzy was going to lean in for some sugar. Uh, it looked that way. Like it, it, it was like he almost had his lips pursed <laughs> as he was leaning in. Uh, Cobble Pottery says, uh, you know, he's manipulative. It's easy to pull Penguin's sentimental strings, and Penguin's pretty open about his weaknesses uh, around him. Right. And uh, let's see. Anything else you see here? Oh, let's see. Oh, there's a couple Team Anne Marie's, so I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, pe- he's like, I'm not going to point that out, but Team Anne Marie is in support. No, of there's my definitely theory. a lot of people who think Ed are being manipulative. Ed's being manipulative, yeah. yeah. Um, Joel says that uh, if they're not gay, yeah. they seem like heterosexual life partners because uh, maybe uh, Kringle turned Ed off of Love Forever. I actually really like that, and it mm-hmm. completely makes sense to me. Um, yeah, Let's cause see. a commotion. Uh, who is the uh, fish Mooney cosplayer who walk goes around and with... penguin? They're both here tonight. Yeah, I was going to say they're both here tonight. Uh, oh, the okay. penguin cosplayer too. She says her husband cosplays as penguin, uh, pengi, pengi pants, and uh, seem and pengi... so he thinks that Oswald seems like it's a family love. So yeah, it's more of it's a familial friendship, love. familial love. Um, let's see, couple potteries. One thing's for sure. Pengy's got the neediest black hole of a heart. Ed needs to say the right words and do the right things. And Oz can be completely suckered into it. That, mm-hmm. that is <laughs> exactly it. Yeah. I, like I said, you know, I can see it going either way. It's either I, the greatest con Ed's ever pulled or it's a series of great cons that Ed's pulling just so he can be with Pengy Pants. Right. However, Bobby just is so on Team get, Bill. Just so he can get he can get into Pengy Pants. Oh. You know? <laughs> um, Bobby is on Team Bill. He believes that Nigma's affection is genuine. Okay. Uh, genuine? All right. Well, we're going to switch gears here because <laughs> I saw the sign and, and it, it opened, opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. No, I didn't see the sign. But you know who saw signs in this week's episode? Ooh. Jim. And Bruce. Jim and, and Bruce. And it's both uh, revolving around the romantic entanglements, relationships. Ooh. You know, I, Gordon, I, in that diner scene where, you know, he buys the billionaire He buys my burger. Yeah. Which I, 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 th- I really like that line that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're a billionaire, but I can, buy, I can still buy you a sandwich kind of thing. Because like, mm-hmm. uh, everyone needs to eat. So, I mean, right. what do you get for the man who has everything? A sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Gordon tells uh, the much taller Bruce, too. He, he was much taller than Jim is, which was kind of weird because, you know. Uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's little. growing up. Yeah. Uh, but he says that, you know, life doesn't always give you signs uh, when Bruce is like, I just wish there was a sign about what I'm supposed to do with Kat and this and that know. and the other. I don't know what's going on. I'm 16. Blah. Yeah. And Jim kind of poo-poos the idea. He, he says that, <laughs> that, you know, life doesn't work like that. But it's ironic that not only does Bruce receive a sign later on uh, when he sees Selena at the party, he takes mm-hmm. it as a sign that he should come clean about his feelings for her. And by a sign, he saw her walk across the floor. Like, yeah. that's not a sign, dude. That's she showed up at the party you knew she'd be at. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh, but, you know, Jim gets one when he sees Valerie on her fact-finding date mission thing. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, when he's walking down the street, he sees her through the window. Or at least that's what he says. Right. Uh, and takes it as a sign. 
I, I think, you know, regardless of anything, I, I think it's really cool that Bruce is finally going after what he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he learned quite a bit from Yanni Bruce and Yanni's... In that brief, brief time with Yanni Bruce. Yeah, he, he, he learned to be the Bruce Wayne you want to be. Uh, perhaps by the time Yanni Bruce shows up, they'll be back on equal footing. But I, I did think it was interesting that Bruce was looking for a sign uh, in this situation, mm-hmm. given that in many uh, Batman origins, he takes a bat fl- crashing through his study window as a sign that he should become Batman. Oh. Uh, you know, that's the whole... Uh, there's from- also a bat signal. But, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, the line... There are crim- criminals are a uh, superstitious and cowardly lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it comes from. He's sitting in the chair and he's like, man, I, I went out and I tried to do the vigilante thing and it didn't work out because they were like, oh, it's just some dude in a mask. Let's beat the crap out of him. And, and then when that bat flies through the window, he realizes, no, I have to become a symbol. I have to be something that's scary that they're afraid of. Something that crashes through a window? Yeah. To, well, to, to, to get an edge over them. You, you know, so... Well, Bruce, you know, I, I don't think he's very cowardly. He's certainly superstitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're probably going to be seeing more and more of that sort of magical thinking from him as, as the series progresses. It was kind of cool to see it there because so far Bruce has been very measured mm-hmm. and logical and focused on his mission. And that whole superstitious aspect of Batman is part of it because, you know, he must be a symbol and he must be better than them and he has to believe in himself and all this stuff. And I, I, I think this is the sort of the first time we've seen that kind of switch mm-hmm. <laughs> in Bruce. Uh, anything over in the chat room? Um, let's see. There's there's love for the acknowledging of David's growth spurt. <laughs> um, everyone's a little scared for Tabby because Babs is quite the jealous hothead mm-hmm. um, and very eager to see what becomes of <clears throat> Yanni Bruce. I'm not saying Bruce is doppelganger. <laughs> uh, maybe next episode. Yeah, but, uh, you, you know, they saw the signs. Uh, in, in particular, uh, the sign that Jim saw you wanted to talk a little bit about, right? Absolutely. Um Jim, Jim and Valerie Vale. Valerie. Okay, so I'm sorry. I like them. Mm-hmm. I I know not everybody does. In <laughs> fact, a lot of people don't, but I do. So when the episode starts, Jim is very much trying to be old Jim and separate work from personal life. You know, like this is like way back Jim and Babs before she was stabby. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically, uh, you know, blows up in his face. And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm the woman and I'm the reporter. Like, you get one. Mm-hmm. You don't get to choose who you're talking to and when you're talking to them. Yeah. Um, and you know what? He should understand that because basically all last season, there was no separating Jim the cop from Jim the, the, man. the man. And it was very blurry no matter how much. Um, well, I'd say, Lee say wanted even, him to dude, back off a little. Like, Yeah, I'd say even more so than just last season. I would right. say the entire series so far, that's kind of been Jim's internal well, struggle. It's, right, but it, it he started off wanting it to be very separate because he, he didn't want to tell Barbara much. He wanted to keep Barbara safe. Um, they did like a promo video last week. Sorry, I'm putting my hand in front of the camera. Um, <laughs> about their entire relationship. And it's, you know, you go back and you see when Butch breaks into the apartment and mm-hmm. has her tied up and all that. And he's like, what? no, this is not this part of my <laughs> life. Like, you get that. And that's, you know, really that's when the crossover started because she couldn't keep her mouth quiet. But mm-hmm. anyway, so <laughs> I was like, where was I? So after trying to give Bruce love advice, he realizes to take it all himself too, mm-hmm. that he needed to man up and tell Vale how, how he felt and just to take the reporter with the woman because one person's one person. So there's that. Uh, I love the approach he took with her, even though I kind of feel like I shouldn't, of him going to the restaurant and ending her meeting date dinner thing. Uh, maybe it was because it was his way of showing how much he cared about her because that's the only way he knew how to do it. Mm. I don't know. I liked it, but I hated it all at the same time. Yeah, it, Am it, I okay with that? I don't know. It, it was weird, though, just because, you know, last episode it was so much just like a hookup and we're done and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, she's like, bah. And then this week's episode, she's like, oh, is that all I am to you? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's interesting to see the progression. Although I I do have some thoughts on this later. Oh, okay. I do think they are legitimately falling for each other. And this might be the the Jim Gordon romance moving forward. Oh. Uh, But I'll get into more more detail later. Uh, But you know what? 
you know, we we've dilly dallied around we have. and everything, but I mean, what what is everyone here for, really? Uh, they are here to look at what? I don't know. Look at this Joker. Look at this Joker. Look at this Joker. Look at this Joker. I will look at this Joker because he's standing over there and he has some greenish hair. Look at this Joker. It's where we look at the uh, the clues. Jokers. The hints, the outright appearances uh, of the Joker in Gotham. We've been doing this since season one, and you can uh, take a look at our archive over at legendsofgotham.com. Just click it, look at this Joker up the top. And like I said, we've been doing this since the first episode because they were like, we're going to put Joker references in every episode. So we we found them. We should track this. And, you know, this week's episode was no different. Uh, (laughs) You can join our newsletter, by the way. Yeah, hi. Starting Uh, newsletter. But, you know, this week's episode... I thought it was interesting. There was the Red Hood gang. Mm-hmm. They were setting a bus on fire. Mm-hmm. Jerome totally set a bus on fire. Totes. And he in the comics, the Joker was totally in the Red Hood gang. So it felt definitely all felt, around. It definitely felt like this scene is just a big barrel full of Joker references. Mm-hmm. And while I was sad Jerome wasn't part of the crew uh, yeah. of the Red Hood gang in this episode, like I thought he might be, mm-hmm. I fe- I kind of feel the next time the Red Hood gang pops up, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be Jerome uh, really behind so. the red mask. I did like because uh, last last time the Red Hood gang was around, it was just. I, like a ski mask with the eyes cut out, and this time they had goggles. So see, but you know, I think that was just a part of Butch trying to like make mm. it a thing. Because last time wasn't the Red Hood gang? It was only the one leader had the Red Hood. Um, because the Red yeah. Hood got passed around. Yes, and this time they all had these fancy hoods with the goggles mm. and things. That should have been a hint that it was not the real Red. Possibly, possibly just saying. Yeah, Look, but I'm it, learning things. But I, I, I kind of feel like this is a concept that's going to keep progressing as we, we move ahead. And eventually we're going to get sort of the Red Hood origin story for the Joker that we know and love. Uh, but join us next time for Look at this Joker. Joker look, look at this Joker. Joker look at this Joker. Look, 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 do do you you like us if you like us and you like what we do you can help support us over at patreon it's uh you can patreon.com slash universe box yes you can make a small monthly donation anything you want anything as small as a dollar and that'll go uh you know to to help us pay for server cost and equipment electricity for the equipment the internet all that kind of stuff and and, you know maybe compensate us for our time a little bit too what we put we i i know it's hard to believe but we do put time in this Uh, we don't watch the episode twice live tweet and schedule things we we do but uh we uh definitely we have a lot of goals we're trying to reach including doing like a podcasting course that you would get for free if you're a patron and everything but the most important thing that we do is if you donate five dollars or more per, per month you become a member of the five dollar star patrons club not to be confused with the five dollar footlongs from subway which gives you exclusive <laughs> access to any and all parties at the sirens bar in gotham Hi. city so you could have been at that event last night and probably got shot by butch monday maybe. not last night or two nights ago. <laughs> but uh, we want to thank all of our star patrons. Uh, they, this is the real benefit is that we'll uh, give you a shout out on every episode of every podcast we do. We mm-hmm. want to thank Becca Baca, Angel, Holly Mac 79, Monica Jones, Sage of Earth, Harry Seidler, Timothy Peters, Robert Cattler, uh, Hope Molinax, uh, Karen J. Horlatcher, and Jessica Gonzalez. You guys are the best people in the world. You're the dreamer of dreams because you went over to patreon.com slash universe box and and remember to think outside. outside. Also, Uh, if you can't do a monthly donation, there's a paypal donate button if you want yeah to if you go to let if you go to legends of gotham uh, there's a paypal uh, if you want to give a one-time donation that'd be awesome we'd We're love you forever too. too and if you did, if it's five dollars or more you become a member of the five dollar star patrons club for a little while for a month and you, you you know what's great about the patreon what is that we end up hearing from people we've never heard from before we've only heard from before once or twice uh, like you know it. when they join the patreon and we also do that uh, in the voicemail sometimes you know, we like to play a voicemail in the middle of the episode, just especially if it's someone new. 
because we want people to feel welcome with their feedback and everything. Okay. So I believe it's Mike here uh, sent us a voicemail. He wrote in a letter last week, sent oh. in his first first voicemail this week. So we want to give him a shout out and uh, play your voicemail right here. Take it away, Mike. Hi, Mike here. Hi, I Mike. emailed y'all last week, and you read my email on the air, so I thought maybe I'd give a phone call a try here. And, uh, I just had a couple thoughts. I just finished tonight's episode, and it was awesome. First thing, I don't know if I'm the only one, but did anybody else catch Bruce checking out Selena before their rooftop makeout session? <laughs> yes. I did. Number two, I still believe in my theory that Ed is really tricking Penguin. There's there's no doubt in my mind he's got a higher card of his sleeve. I believe Ed is in it for something else other Thank than just you. helping. Number three, mm-hmm. does anybody else wish that they were as good as Jim moving in on someone else's date? Good night. I wish I had that feeling. <laughs> number four, next well, to be fair, it, it was wasn't a it was date. it was Jim's date first. He was kind of jumping in to save her, I think, a little bit. Uh, no, he was still smooth. He was claiming his territory. He was super smooth. This week's okay. episode looks amazing. I cannot wait till next mm-hmm. Monday night. Anyways, enjoy the show. Look forward to hearing from y'all. I uh, thank you very much, Mike. And thank I, you very much, Mike. Yeah, please feel free <laughs> to send in a voicemail anytime. The number is four two four two seven four two three five two. Anyone out there, if you yes, want to throw in a voicemail, we like voicemails. Uh, but you know why? Because we don't have to talk. But well, we you know, still do. We're, we're going to talk now, and I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Lee's Falcone family. Uh, now, the family. Uh, Lee, Lee's reaction to Jim's sort of non-reaction when she told him she was engaged was really interesting. Uh, you know, because last week he let go of all those feelings and moved on. That was kind of the point. Jim's arc last week was that he was moving on from Lee. So when she comes to him with this news that she has a new fiance and he's a Falcone, he's like, eh, that's cool. So, Whatever. Well, it was that he knew it was a Falcone. Yeah. I mean, he was like, so it's a Falcone. Well, it, it definitely I, – I feel like she wanted uh, him to care about her engagement a lot more than he did because he was just like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do what you want. Uh, but she also seemed very comfortable with the power the Falcone name comes with. Uh, when yep. she threatens Ed, uh, she seems almost happy about having access to that sort of power. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of think that uh, – well, for one, I, I think it's pretty much confirmed now that Lee goes for bad boys. Yeah, basically. And, and she kind of likes that, even though she, you know, last season when she was dating Jim, mm-hmm. she was very down on the bad things he was doing. At the same time, she was still there. If, if he had shown up uh, in the little town she was living in or, or whatever, she would have taken him back before she met this Falcone guy. So I, I think she just kind of has a thing for bad boys, boys and maybe that kind bad of boys. bad boys, <laughs> bad boys, and maybe that kind that power too. She she kind of has a thing for that. I I think uh, when she mentioned to Jim that you know uh, she was engaged and everything, she was kind of hoping to maybe like start this little like war between him and mm-hmm. Falcone, like. Oh, who who will get Lee's, Lee's love? Go fight it out, boys. You know, that sort of thing. I, I kind of think that's what she was leaning towards. And when Jim uh, didn't react, it kind of fell flat for her. And, yeah. And I also feel like that sort Uh-oh, of... Uh-oh, Jerome's in the chat room again. But it, I also feel that that sort of uh, kind, kind of snowballed into her punching Ed. Because maybe she wouldn't have punched Ed. I, I mean, obviously, she has no kind feelings for Ed Enigma. Don't get me wrong. But I kind of feel like she was frustrated with that. She's like, boom. I'm going to get my fiance after you. You know, I, all I have to do is whisper. I definitely felt there was a lot of frustration there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like with the positive steps forward in this week's episode, mm-hmm. that Jim's gonna, going to be moving on w- with Valerie as his main love interest, uh, you know, moving forward, especially now that he accepts both parts of her, the girl and the reporter. So that that's kind of how I see it going. I, I, I hope they don't kind of focus on this. We, Lee, Jim, will they, won't they sort of thing uh, much anymore. Like, I can see him being there for her and getting her out of a bad situation because, I mean, she's involved with the mob now. So right. that, that that's going to happen more often I, than not. I think it's going to be interesting, especially um, based on the preview for next week's episode. Mm-hmm. There's still drama. There's going to be drama. Yeah, there's there's going to be drama. A bit. One would say no more drama, no, no, no more drama, but mm-hmm. not in Gotham. I, I would almost, uh, and, uh, you know, I would hate to risk my reputation as Nostradamus. 
I would say that Uh-oh, here we go. Lee Tompkins as a main character on Gotham doesn't last more than this season. I Lee? think I've, yeah, I think after this season she's going to be exiting the stage. Do you think that's by story design or outside influence? I think both. I, th- I think you, well, I think they're designing the story uh, based on their relationship. Stuff. But I, I, I feel like you know them dating. I, I'm not saying that they're they're pushing off off the show because she's dating Ben McKenzie or in real life engaged. Yeah, engaged in real life or anything. But I, I'm just saying maybe that's a convenient time to sort of veer off and go in a different direction with it. Mm-hmm. And I also think that. Isn't her, there another Deadpool anyway? Yeah, I was going to say her <laughs> appearance in Deadpool kind of increased her star power enough that I, I think she's going to need some time off anyway. Yeah. So, so I think real life things are probably going to cause them to sort of maybe write the story that that way uh, down the line. Mm-hmm. Anything fun over here in the chat? Uh, Bobby doesn't see Valerie becoming a regular after the season. And you know what? I don't necessarily. I like her. Please don't get me wrong. One of my favorite actresses. But I don't necessarily see her sticking around. Maybe maybe Jim will go all Playboy <laughs> and be like, you know, proto Bruce. <laughs> In that respect, like, yeah. since Bruce is like all about the cat, so that's you know? fair. Yep. That's fair. Yep. Okay, uh, so <clears throat> what what do you want to talk about? Uh, Lee has gone straight mob yeah. wife. We're gonna stick with Lee. Listen. <laughs> Coming from the Italian whose family may or may not have been in the mob. Whoa. Love it. Okay. So with the right hook and a threat, she's gone from mild-mannered and curious M.E. to a threatening and conniving woman using the power of the family. While I support the punch and the threat, I feel like something not awesome is going to happen to this relationship with Mario Falcone and that it's going to come back to bite her. Like she should not have used the Falcone name before she actually has the Falcone Mm -hmm. name. Um, and you know, the Falcons don't exactly run the town anymore. And Ed knows that. Like, it's no surprise. Falcon's been gone for the better part of a year, etc. I don't think he's really scared, as scared of Lee as she probably should be of him. I, I think uh, considering Falcon Sr.'s previous dealings with Jim, mm-hmm. I almost feel like maybe Lee was targeted uh, to be getting this relationship a, as a way to manipulate Jim by oh, the senior Falcone. Okay. You, you know, but I, I definitely think there, there's a reason we both touched on this Lee thing. And, that's and it just was because, brief. It was very brief. Like, she yeah. had, like, two scenes. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not saying, you know, she she's not a, a strong, assertive character or hasn't been. But at the same time, it, seeing her just, like, lash out and punch Ed like that, that's not her style. Right. Like that's never been her style. Like right. uh she she usually plays it smarter, she, not so uh not so violently, you know, right. not so directly. Like she she would question question question, question sneak question. around the scenes Can we do and this? do, do, da, 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 da. And do yeah. something smart about. Right. Where where seeing her kind of fly off the handle like that, it it, it was very shocking and a very interesting mm-hmm. turn for the character. Right, but it was also like she said it was for Kristen. Mm-hmm. It was like the first time she really I guess had a chance to acknowledge yeah. that because obviously he whoosh, he was whisked off to Arkham That's true. and she was Pragers and moved to mm-hmm. Florida. And yeah, and they had blah, sort blah, of the blah. thing where Kristen was confiding in her about right. several situations going on in her life right. and everything. So. But never quite. Yeah, I mean, they mm-hmm. had that double date. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. that. Okay, I, I, I want to talk a little bit just briefly about the, the best party ever, the, the rogue party, I, as it were. Ever. Um, you know, the, the shindig at the sirens for Mayor Cobblepod, where basically where the climax of the episode happens. Kaboom! I just thought it was very interesting to note, and I think this is the first time it's happened. The party had uh, Victor Zaz, Poison Ivy, Penguin, Riddler, Catwoman, Tigress, Alfred, and Batman himself all sharing the same space at the same crazy. time. Which uh, it, it's probably the closest they've ever come to assembling the full crew. I, and it is. Yeah, because normally, you know, th- there's all these separate story threads going on, but you very, very rarely see these all these characters together right. in the same space, uh, interacting with the same situation. Because, I mean, you know, obviously Kat and Bruce go off and do their thing, right. and Ivy's, like, trying to... Uh, hit that Cold silver burn. fox up or whatever. Uh, but, uh, y- you know, for the most part, they're all directly involved in the big climactic scene here in mm-hmm. the bar. And I, as much as I love the separate story th- threads and the A, B, and C storylines that they work through throughout the season and everything, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it was a very interesting scene, a very dynamic scene. Mm-hmm. The second all these characters came into the room. So I, I really hope 
we get more of it. Yeah, we get more of that going forward. Yeah. We get all these characters in the room mixing it up, bouncing off of each other. Because mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. It was very interesting. Like I said, very dynamic. And, you know, if, if these... But what did Alfred do during that whole scene? <laughs> he, there was no he Alfred. Got his, he, he got his beak wet. Excuse me? That's what he said, said to Oswald he was going to do. He was like, I'm going to go get my beak wet, you know. He's gonna, well, yes, little, I, I get what drunk. this is. But it's just very strange. I I kind of thought actually that they were they might be setting up an Alfred Tigress. Uh, no, an Alfred Oswald kind of conflict there. Because yeah, you know, Alfred was very smartassy with, with, uh, with the mayor. You, yeah, with the mayor uh, concerning pieces weird. of Galavan. And uh, so, so I, I kind of felt like that was maybe like step one in setting up a conflict between those two characters. Or uh, and I mean, Bruce was involved in that scene too. Maybe. It's well, some Bruce point. was out on the patio. Well, no, in that first scene. Oh, the first Bruce, scene. Yeah, oh, Bruce yeah, yeah, was yeah. there. But it may, maybe they're angling somewhere along the way for Oswald, to take the mayor of Gotham, to take issue with Wayne Enterprises or Bruce Wayne Ooh. or something. And maybe that's going to throw them all into conflict, which would be kind of cool. Like, I'd like to see young Bruce and Oswald uh, go toe-to-toe. Yeah, that could be interesting. That could be very that interesting. That could be very interesting. Sure. Okay, but he, I talked about the... Uh, Oh, uh, Monica in the chat room asks, who's, uh, Tigress? who's Tigress? Tabby. Yeah, Tabby. They announced her as Tigress last year when she was coming, but they've mm-hmm. very, I think maybe once, maybe once called her it. Yeah. And it, it would have been Galavan calling her that. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Although that, that outfit she had on the motorcycle at the well, end of the Well, it was episode. her assassin outfit because yeah. the hair went up in a ponytail, which it looks much better in a ponytail. Can mm-hmm. you please just do that? Yeah. Don't do the – it doesn't work for you, sweetheart. Yeah, and Joel from um, Portland says, so many baddies in one room. Uh, okay, but I wanted to talk about baddies. the party in the episode, and you wanted to talk about the party that they kind of teased at the end of well, the, the episode. Well, the party right? after the episode. Yeah. Jervis touches tea party. Yes. So it looks like he's returned to the scene of the crime, but that's pretty impossible uh, since the cops, I'm sure, were all over, you know, Alice's death place. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a full-blown uh, tea party in a circus atmosphere with a new Alice. Yes. Brand new Alice. Very briefly. Very briefly. So I don't quite get why he needed to find a full a new Alice, mm-hmm. dress her up just to slit her throat. Don't understand it. Uh um, like, I think during our live tweeting for this episode, I tweeted out the Matter Hatter. Yeah. I, I, I definitely feel like, you know, last week's episode, he kept saying how Alice kept him sane and all this stuff. Uh, like, I think we're, we're, we're getting st- there. We're starting to see the mad part. I mean, he didn't appear very sane to somebody who is sane right. last week, but this week we're seeing, oh, there's another level of crazy this guy can go. Right. And I'm sort of going along with that. So. Uh, he obviously wasn't using his power on her because typically when somebody's under his power, they're like, they're chill. They just do what he says. They're not yeah. fighting back going, Mr. Mr. I'm not your sister. I'm still alive. <laughs> da, 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 da. Not for long. But um, my curiosity is, did his power actually have to do with a connection with the real Alice? Because they mm-hmm. talked about, you know, he had the mind, she had the blood. Like it was a familial thing. And that they were connected. Again, we just assume this was his craziness because he's crazy. (laughs) But maybe now that she's dead, he can't quite do the hypnotizing the way he was before. And he's trying to figure out a new way and something using Alice's blood. That could be. That could like or something maybe, he has to like mm-hmm. they have to be infected with the blood in order to be hypnotized. Yeah. And this is just how he's he's testing things. Or that that could also send him down a path that uh makes him use more of the devices and stuff that the Mad Hatter traditionally uses like that such as the, uh, Mainly like mind control hats because uh, he's oh, a hatter. Okay. Like a, you know, there's like a little or like a little chip he'll put yeah. behind someone's ear or something like that. Okay, you know, because uh, the Mad Hatter in the comics, at least the, the Mad Hatter I'm very familiar with, mm-hmm. is very technology based. So okay. I thought it was interesting to see uh, him doing all this hypnotism and stuff naturally. But if becoming untethered from his sister kind of cost him that ability or the amount of concentration mm-hmm. needed to do that. I, I, yeah, I could totally see that leading him down either a bloody path uh, towards right. affecting the, having the same effect or a technological path, maybe influenced by blood or maybe, you right. know, a medical examiner or something gives him the secret to the blood, mm. you know? So 
Okay, because I was like, maybe he's using the blood on the victims to see what happens to them. Mm. Because who knows? She said something different always happens to different people and the such. So maybe he's trying to predict what happens. Maybe there's some sort of, you know, recipe. So many drops of blood does so many different things. You know, one drop just turns you into, you know, Solomon Grundy. Or, you know, if you make out with the blood, you become (laughs) completely crazy. Like, it's just... Well, you, you know, they talk a little bit about the experiments that the GCPD is doing. Right, the with blood. the rats. And, 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 yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, there's good rats and bad rats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the good rats, they, they just become fortified. They become stronger. They become mm-hmm. healthier. And then there's the bad rats who uh, kind of take it to a whole nother level. And, right. And I think that's kind of why Barnes was keeping things to himself. He, he's trying to figure out right now What's gonna happen? if he's a good bat, rat or a bad rat. Right. And I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that he is uh, going he's to be to, a bad rat. He's going to be, as Jerome in the chat room says, Barnes shall become a monster. True that. True Solomon that. Grundy. I, I'm still calling it. People are saying that a character named Lockout. I, no, he might become Grundy. Lockout. He might become this universe's version of Bane. No, he. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be Solomon Grundy. I've been saying it for weeks. Uh, when it happens, I'm going to go back and pull the first clip when I talked about it over like the summer. Like a year ago? Yeah. It was like la- it was last year during the year oh, because was he it? wasn't getting like much going on and blah 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 and you're like no no he said in a thing <laughs> mm-hmm. that he's here for season three so there's that I don't know maybe he like I said the Jervis touch maybe he's trying to predict what happens when somebody's infected with the blood and now that well we know about the two thirds thing I don't know it's yeah. all it's on I, this is how he does his tests <laughs> mm-hmm. little. Curious, curious that he used the chick's blood to write James Gordon on the card, though. That was kind of grody. Gross, but fun. Gross, but fun. Gross, but fun. That's so Gotham. That is so Gotham. His that handwriting is so, was awful, so Gotham. You know, you know what else is so Gotham? <laughs> Confirming my, my uh, strongly held b- beliefs yeah. about certain things. For uh, an example, this episode, Butch sucks at being a boss yet again. Dude, Butch, give it uh, up. Yet again, we find out that Butch is just a horrible, horrible boss. Every time he tries it, he completely fails. Everything around him completely falls apart. And he sucks at it until he becomes a sidekick again. Right. You know, in this episode, leading the Red Hood gang, the entire gang dies. Which, by the way, I just wanted to say that uh, yeah. the, lead, the head guy of the Red Hood gang, if you ever watched the old NBC show Blossom... It was the older, her older brother, Tony, I believe his name was. I that was the guy. Like, I recognized him on my second watch. So I was like, oh. But, you know, the, the whole gang's dead. Mm-hmm. His job's gone. His security's gone. He has two bullets in the back. Uh, he's on the run from the cops. Like, everything went to crap. The yeah. second Butch decided he should be a boss again. He just has to stop. I'm breaking up the pot. I'm breaking up the <laughs> gang. I'm like, dude, no, it's not going to work for you. My, my one hope is that uh, Tabby, uh, after Tabby rescues him at the end of the episode and everything, mm-hmm. he's going to let her lead the charge moving forward. I, I would hope. I would hope he just becomes uh, Babs and Tab's lackey. Like mm-hmm. he becomes their muscle. Yeah. Not that they need muscle. At all. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't need it. They both yeah. can hold their own. Well, but you know what? It doesn't hurt to have a 300-pound monkey, as I believe he was called. Every Everybody needs muscle. Why, why do you think, you know, Batman keeps Alfred around? <laughs> to make the tea? <laughs> that too. <laughs> to that make too. his tea? Very strong tea. Hence that the muscles. <laughs> okay, but you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something that happened at the party, right? Yeah. Selena and Ivy. So I completely felt that the new Ivy's presentation was very old Ivy. Mm-hmm. Like you could almost hear her voice. She, yeah. um, the new actress whose name is escaping me at the moment, is doing amazing mm-hmm. at adapting to the old Ivy isms that we've gotten and the character, like how her behaviors and loving it. So um, I just think it's kind of fun how she's like, I'm not, I'm not telling you. I'm not. She's just going to keep it to herself. Though I don't know if Selena would believe her if she told her. Yeah. Although I did think it was weird since they set up that Bruce was becoming such a better detective. He noticed the lipstick on the cup and stuff that he didn't connect. Oh, there is a woman in her 20s with red hair and she was doing talking weird to Selena or whatever. Uh, Like I, 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 I yeah, I'd assume that, uh, the, Bruce will eventually put that together. I, I, he'll he'll probably be the key. 
See, I don't but think so. You don't think so? No. Because um, here's what has me a little perplexed. Mm-hmm. Selena has seen what Marv can do about aging people. Granted, she's only seen him age them to death, but yeah. he's seen him age them. Um, <clears throat> and I thought it was kind of weird that she accepted that Ivy was dead so easily because Gotham. We've seen fish come back. We've seen Penguin basically come mm-hmm. back. So, you know, dead ain't dead. We know that. Yeah. So, like, she saw Marv touch briefly, and then she felt, I don't know. I just, the whole thing is a little, like, Selena's not a dumb girl. Mm-hmm. I feel like she should have been able to put it together, and maybe the more she talks to new Ivy, she will. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's Bruce who's going to put it together, but I'm going to let you go with it. That's fair. Uh, mm-hmm. I, interesting point Powell family brings up in the chat room. Was Butch really trying to become the boss, or was he just trying to be a hero in Oswald's eyes? He was trying to be a hero in Oswald's eyes, I think. But, but... At, the, at the same time, I don't think that Butch cares about their friendship. He cares about the proximity to power. Right. And so, so I, I think we're... I still think, you know, that Ed is coming at it from he cares about the relationship he has with Oswald. Butch cares about the power he gets mm-hmm. from being close to Oswald. And that's why he was willing to go to such lengths to maintain that power when he sees it slipping away and funneling over to Ed, uh, thanks mm-hmm. to the pocket square solution and everything. <gasps> Actually, the pocket square solution. If this show was Sherlock and Ed was Sherlock, uh, this episode Ooh. would have been called the pocket square solution. Ooh. I'm telling you. <laughs> he but, would be really good. He would. He would. As a Sherlock? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Corey Michael Smith, definitely. Okay. Well, it's time to find out, to quantify how we feel about this episode. And you know what? Considering uh, my episode title I just slung out, why don't we go ahead and go with 74 pocket squares. Out of 74 pocket squares, Ooh, how many pocket squares do you give this episode, Anne-Marie? Um, and you can uh, vote in the chat room, too. Let us know in the chat room. I'm going to go with 70 pocket squares. 70 pocket squares. 70 why? pocket squares. Because it's a really good episode. And, you know, as we pointed out, all of the baddies in one pretty spot, which makes me happy. I like big group things, especially because it seems like this I cast. like big groups and I cannot lie. Them other brothers can't. Di- Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's such a um, close-knit cast mm-hmm. that it's nice to actually see them get to like work together and play off of yeah. each other more so. And I'm sure it's harder logistically to shoot that, but it, it paid off so well. It really did. It really did. So, I mean, I'm and curious. we didn't even mention Zaz came back, or we very and all briefly mentioned Zaz. Because we can't have an episode with Zaz where I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I liked it. It was good. Good things. Could have used a little more Bruce. And it was the best party ever. Ever. Okay, over in the chat room, let's see. Uh, Bobby gives it 69 pocket squares. Powell family gives it 70 pocket squares. Jerome says half and half. I'm I not don't sure know what that, that means. means. He's having coffee. Uh, Cobble Pottery says 75 out of 74 pocket squares. Jam-packed, great, engaging character development. Best party ever. And uh, Monica you says... not do Valley Girl. <laughs> like, I totally should. Like, oh my God. It was and, the best party ever. And, like, Monica gives it, like, 72 pocket squares because it was really, 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 really good. It was really good. Really. Gag me with a spoon. (laughs) And you know what? I'm actually going to give it 74 pocket squares, too. Like, we normally shy away from the perfect scores. I think it was pretty much the perfect episode. I think it would have been perfect if Jerome would have come back. Mm Mm-hmm. <gasps> Imagine if they'd have like wheeled out a cake or something to like celebrate. And he popped out, and he of, popped a out of the cake. Yeah. I want somebody to pop out of a cake this season. Dear Gotham TV writers, <laughs> I need someone to pop out of a cake. I don't yeah. care who, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Pal-, Pal Family mentions, you know, that uh, one group party a season, it seems like the children's charity ball last year. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Very it's very true. true. Yeah, it, such a good episode, though. But even that was a little bit more mm-hmm. split up than this was. I didn't. No, I rated it 74. Yeah, 74 you gave it a pocket perfect, squares. Do you not remember the whole perfect discussion? And a pocket square for the pocket square, I'll give it to. And all that zazz. And all those pocket squares. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, I, th- I think we've signed, sealed, and delivered this episode. So now, on to the news. News. First up, the ratings. Gotham got a 1.2, and it's now up week to week, which is good. Good job, Gotham. You're rocking and rolling it. That should be the screenshot today. 
keep raising uh, your your ratings because actually we really don't care. We just like to report on it just so you know, so you guys know. Yep. Uh, but we're gonna keep watching it even if it gets like a point one. Mm, well, uh, but, we might not be able to watch it if it's a point yeah, it one. might go up there at that point. <laughs> but uh, okay, uh, so let's go ahead and uh, check out the preview for next week's episode, The White Rabbit. So th- follow the White Rabbit. Follow the White Rabbit. Did Sorry I put about that it. wrong? No, I, I said it wrong. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so we have we have a Mad Hatter on TV looking all wah, creepy, wah, and wah, obviously wah, he's gunning for Jim Gordon based on the end of the episode. They're talking. Yeah. They're doing a thing. Yeah. There's explodey stuff happening. There's some weird albino what? guy. What? Uh, was that a wedding dress? Yeah, that was a wedding. It seems like all manner of craziness is going on. And then Maybe the that's tea party, the White Rabbit. Oh, and then it's the decide, decide. Who, who do you love? Who should I kill? Lee or Valerie? Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be an even madder city next week for sure. Like it, it looks like Oops. a really good episode, and it feels definitely like something they've been building towards uh, since they introduced the Mad mm-hmm. Hatter. Like I, I have a feeling this is gonna be like the big payoff episode. Mm-hmm. So when you get done uh, watching next week's episode, what I want you to do: look out your window. There's a white rabbit out there. <gasps> Follow that white rabbit. He's gonna lead you down a hole. Where you'll find a phone and a computer, and you can Hello? contact us and let us know what you think by emailing us legendsofgotham at gmail.com. Twitter is at Legends of Gotham. The Facebook is facebook.com uh, slash groups slash Legends of Gotham. And the voicemail number is 424 274 2352. Again, that's 424 274 2352. And as usual, we're going to start off with Bobby's voicemail. Take it away, Bobby. Hey, guys, it's Bobby. All right, so there's a lot going on this season of Gotham. Uh, so many different storylines, and we're only five episodes in, uh, but they're still doing a fairly decent job of uh, keeping all those balls in the air, which is no easy feat. Uh, you've got the Jim, Valerie, Lee storyline going on. Uh, as far as Jim and Valerie, I really don't see Valerie sticking around too long. Um, I just don't see them together, quite honestly. I guess maybe that's because I like Jim and Lee together. Although, as far as Lee this season, I'm having some real problems with. Like in the scene when Lee told uh, Jim that she was marrying a Falcone, not, it seemed like not only did she expect and want a reaction out of uh, Jim, that she was upset when, that re- when she didn't get a reaction out of Jim. And to me, that's just playing games, and I don't like that, and I feel like it's beyond Lee's character. <laughs> Speaking of beyond Lee's character, uh, the scene later when she stood up to Nygma, that was great. But then later, uh, uh, then then using Falcone as like a threat against Nigma, I really don't think Lee would do that kind of thing. Um, and then what's up with like? Okay, I thought he was the black sheep of the family because, and he didn't uh, like take the Falcone name. And now all of a sudden, thirty years later, he's going to take the Falcone name. Mm-hmm. None of that storyline is really gelling with me. Uh, that's probably one of my least favorite storylines thus far. Like I said, I think it's a setup. Mm-hmm. And as far as Valerie. Vale goes uh that we were told we're getting vicky Vale sometime this season right uh she hasn't even been mentioned yet so. but seeing as- no she's been cast oh has she yeah yeah i think she's supposed to come in like in the next episode or two oh okay as uh bruce has finally uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for anyway bruce has finally told selena of his feelings for her I have a feeling that we'll be seeing Vicky sooner rather than later, and we'll be getting a little young romantic triangle as well. Um, there wasn't a lot, a lot of Alfred in this episode. You know, I love Bruce and just about Alfred. Bruce is probably one of my favorite parts of the show as a whole. Period. Uh, his scene with uh, Selena on the rooftop, one of my favorites of the episode, didn't get a lot of uh, him and uh, Alfred, which is a bummer. But that left a lot of time to get some great interactions between Bruce and Jim, which we really don't get mm-hmm. enough of. And I thought played very well this episode. It was great to see Jim give him a little crap about him and Selena and different <laughs> things like that. Um, moving on, Butch, uh, <laughs> he should have just left well enough alone. He still could have been by Penguin's side. <laughs> Thank sure, you. he wasn't like his whole, you know, hey, you're my right hand man. But I still you feel like boy, he boo. was one of his lieutenants. And, you know, you saw how hurt Penguin was by the whole ordeal. You know, uh, anyway. He shouldn't have st- uh, he shouldn't have sicked the redhead gang on him like that. Uh, I had a feeling that's what was going on. And did anyone notice that one that the leader or so called leader of the redhead gang, uh, the one with like the longish hair, that was Blossom's brother. Anyway, shout out to oh Blossom. Oh my goodness, the two of you stop sharing a brain. Get out of my head, Bobby Hawk. Awesome. Uh, 
Uh, oh, uh, Tabby and Butch. Um, loved the interaction between Tabby and B- Butch. I love how Tabby still has to, you know, she's a hard ass. She has to be that. But then towards, you know, that's why she's like, you know, you owe me one and I'm going, you know, you're, uh, one day I'll come for it. And then like later in the episode when she has to go save Butch and I'm so glad Butch isn't dead because he is one of my favorite characters on the show. But she did that of her own volition. No one like forced her or asked her to do that. She did that because obviously she has a soft spot for the 300 pound gorilla we call Butch. Um, and then of course, Penguin Enigma. Um, if Penguin's three steps ahead, then Enigma must be five because it seems like he's always got some sort of game he's playing. But then again, that would be the Riddler. Um, I really do feel though that he does, his, his feelings for Penguin are genuine. And there were quite a few times during this episode where it was just like, kiss them already. I mean, you knew it was going to happen and it didn't, but, um, I don't know if that's fear or just, um, foreshadowing, but I don't think as far as that's concerned, Penguin or Enigma has any like ulterior motives. Um, and then of course you've got the whole Captain Barnes thing going on. That thing's playing out pretty slowly, but it looks like it finally may come to a head next week. Although that wasn't in any, in any of the previews, so maybe it'll be the week after, but that is, uh, going on a bit slow. And then of course we really didn't get any traction on the Court of Owls storyline either. Um, that seems to be like it's probably gonna be ignored for a moment until this whole Hatter thing is, is over and done with. But all in all, I thought it was a pretty good episode. I'm really enjoying the season so far. So out of uh, 27 Arkham Sanity Certificates, um, <laughs> I'm going to give it uh, – I said 27, right? Okay, so I'm going to say 23. <laughs> like I said, it was a pretty great episode overall. I really wish we could have got some traction on, some, uh, on the Court of Owls thing. But for the most part, they're doing a pretty good job of keeping the train moving. Uh, yeah, and I definitely feel like Court of Owls is going to come back when we least expect it. Also, mm-hmm. Jerome when in the we chat about it. asked if this uh, little owl I was showing over on the YouTube version of the show uh, has a court. No, not yet, but he's looking. So if you know any courts that are available, uh, contact Al, care of Legends of Gotham. Okay, uh, so we have a couple uh, more emails to finish up with. Uh, first up, a guy we haven't heard from since last year. Good to hear from you. Uh, probably because we had the day off or the There's day, extra thing. day. Yeah. so. Uh, Christian Gray. Uh, Christian says, I rewatched Monday's night's episode last night, and I have some questions. One, if Penguin finds out that Riddler threatened Tabitha in order uh, for Butch to kill Penguin, how would you expect Penguin to react? Uh, but what a con by the Riddler. Is he, I say that um, it wasn't about how he got there. It was showing that Butch, if given the right motivation, the right opportunity, the right reason mm-hmm. would totally kill Penguin where maybe Ed probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what Ed was trying to prove. And I think no matter how you expose how it happened, mm-hmm. I think Penguin's still going to walk away with that knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'd say. Okay, uh, question two from Christian. Uh, they give hints that Selena will find out about Ivy soon. Uh, who do you two predict will find out about Ivy's identity? Will Ivy tell Wait them? Up. I, and I say Bruce. I, I, I don't see that to be in her character. She's a seductress, so I'm go- guessing she will attempt to seduce Bruce Wayne or maybe someone more age-appropriate. Yeah, I'd say... Not age-appropriate. Yeah, it wouldn't be age-appropriate. Maybe she'll try and seduce Alfred. I like that. I like that idea. Uh, so, uh, so I can see her seducing Bruce Wayne as a means for more cash or something. Yeah, I, I guess, okay, but, but at the same time, I don't see them going that route. Uh, question three from Christian. Also, when Lee tells Gordon about her upcoming engagement, do you think it was an act uh, so that she could uh, evoke some sort of passion inside James to get him back? Uh, but she doesn't want to make the first move. Although, in my opinion, Gordon owes Falcone his life after last season. Mm-hmm. If anything, Gordon should thank Falcone and promise him uh, that he won't interfere in his son's marriage because he has moved on and because of everything he did for him. Mm. So There's uh, a lot there, yeah. We, we, we discussed that earlier in the episode. I, I kind of get the impression that she was sort of looking for an impassioned reaction. She didn't mm-hmm. get it, and that's kind of why she got upset. Right. And then a uh, question for also, so far, Captain Barnes has so far been depicted as 
as the law and order man. Mm -hmm. Basically what Jim Gordon was at the beginning of the series. But there have been hints of aggression in his character uh, where he can relate uh, to Gordon's current vigilante ways, the incident in Iraq, sudden explosions of anger, etc. Do you think Alice's blood will cause Barnes to start getting very aggressive and trying to kill people like what happened with the rats? Yes. After all the attempts at killing Barnes last season, you guys think Captain Barnes is safe, right? Seems like he's dodged death too many times to be killed. No one is safe, but dead isn't dead. Yeah. Unless you're blown to mm-hmm. pieces like Galavan. Yeah, and I definitely feel like, uh, and I think I said this last week too, that, you know, Alice's blood is going to bring out those uh, incident and in Iraq incidents. kind of situations yeah. in Barnes. I also think that, you know, just living in Gotham long enough, uh, these sort of. Th- idealism dies in Gotham, you know? So as much as Barnes came in wanting to clean the town up and do things by the book, mm-hmm. I, I we can see in this episode, like, when he's like, oh, good job for punching Ed. You know, yeah. he's not necessarily by the book anymore. The town's kind of worn a little bit of that idealism away. Nice. Uh, Jason Redux over on Twitter said, hey, Bill and Amory, how about this? It was this- a, a YouTube comment. You- yeah, sorry, YouTube. Uh, hey, Bill That's and Amory, how about this nickname for clone Bruce? Bruce Bigelow, male gigolo. Wah, I'm actually okay wah, with it. Wah, wah. Okay, and we have one last Two, letter from David. One, yeah, from David O. Yanni Bruce is clearly the comic version of Thomas Wayne, a.k.a. Talon. Okay, here and then here's his predictions. This came in two different emails, so go with it. Okay, Yanni Bruce will become a Talon. Enigma is super calculating. I'm watching you guys on YouTube right now, and Bobby is flat out wrong on this. <laughs> now, now. I'm not dealing with that again. Um, Ed isn't genuinely surprised at Penguin winning. He's too smart for that. Three, Falcone came back for a reason. No one seems to be talking about that. Four, Grundy. Grundy, Grundy. yes. Born on a Monday. Monday. Speaking of Monday, that's when Legends of God or that's when Gotham is. That's when Gotham is. Legends. Legends of Gotham is the following night on Tuesday night, which means you have just a scant twenty four hours mm-hmm. to get your voicemail in. So you know, next week, as soon as you're done watching the episode, don't stick around for Lucifer. You don't want to watch Lucifer. Don't you- talk like that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. You know, you can miss the first couple minutes of Lucifer. He's the devil. Okay, there it is. You, there's the first couple minutes. Go over to your computer or your phone. Email us legendsofgotham at gmail dot com. Tweet us at Legends of Gotham. The Facebook is facebook.com slash groups slash Legends of Gotham. And the voicemail number is 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. And like I said, you know, next week we'll be joining you 8.30 p.m. EST at live.universebox.com along with our lovely chatters. We've enjoyed having all of you tonight. There's a ta- talent. There is a talent in the chat, in the room, chat room. We've had Jerome. We've had a talent. It's mm-hmm. a little scary over there. Yeah, and I will say uh, just a recommendation. Don't go to a concert and yell your brains out and then do a podcast the next night. It's rough, man. Throat's pretty rough. Pretty mm-hmm. rough. There uh, was lots of woo! Yeah. From a balcony. See, we can't even do it anymore. No. Okay, Amory, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at AMD Simone. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Bill Meeks. You can follow all of the podcasts we do at universebox.com. And as I've mentioned previously, you can follow the uh, White Rabbit uh, down to next week's Gotham because it's going to be a good one, I think. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. And uh, update from the chat room. The Talon is secretly working for the Court of Owls. What? Well, if you have a Court of Owls, we have an owl to go into that court with you. But if you can't can't let him in, I I guess you'll just have to join us next time for more. Legends Legends of Gotham. Gotham. Who's your friend that likes to play? All right, <laughs> I'm going to take it. Ah, 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 okay.